Hello and welcome back to the Shakespeare Birthday Party. I'm Danny Fitzpatrick. And I'm Grace Fitzpatrick. And today we are discussing Twelfth Night or What You Will. It is set on the coast of Illyria, which is somewhere uh, along the Adriatic, uh, what we would call modern day Croatia, according to ancient Romans. So, um, essentially, Viola and Sebastian, a set of twins, are shipwrecked off the coast of Illyria. Uh, Both survive, though both think the other dead. Uh, Viola is comforted by the captain of the ship that she did see Sebastian lashed to a bit of wood floating along. So hopefully he survived, but we don't know. Um, On the in Illyria, Viola disguises herself as a man and goes by the name Cesario and puts herself in the service of uh, the Count Orsino. Um, Orsino is in love with the Countess Olivia, who is mourning her dead father and brother and refuses to receive suitors, and in particular, Orsino's suit. Orsino sends Viola, a.k.a. Cesario, to Olivia to present his suit. Uh, Olivia falls in love with Viola, which of course uh, leads to all kinds of confusions and shenanigans. Um, Meanwhile, Olivia's uh, household gets into further uproar because a number of the tenants, including the servant Mariah, uh, her ne'er-do-well, our Olivia's ne'er-do-well uncle, Sir Toby Belch, uh, Mr. Andrew Aguecheek, and uh, Feste, the fool, uh, come up with a plot against Malvolio, the puritanical, ill-tempered uh, serving man in the house. So we have that going. At the same time, uh, Sebastian, Viola's brother, has... Uh, made it to shore. Um, He has entered the friendship of Antonio, a ship's captain, um, and about three months have passed since the shipwreck. Um, Olivia continues to express her love for Viola as Cesario. Um, The other members of Olivia's house continue with their Foolishness, which ultimately ends in uh, Sir Andrew challenging Cesario to a duel. This does not work out, especially when the attempted duel is renewed, except this time it's Sebastian who's there instead of Viola Cesario. Um, Sir Andrew gets a beating. Sir Toby uh, likewise is punished. Um, And in the end, uh, it all comes out. Uh, Sebastian has married Olivia, actually. Olivia thinking it is Cesario slash Viola. Um, Olivia is shocked when Cesario then denies such a marriage and continues in the service of Orsino, um, and so on. But eventually the uh, mystery of the twins is solved, and everybody goes happily about their business, except for Malvolio uh, saying that who goes off saying he will get his revenge. So yes, 
very uh yeah very rich comedy in the play of course um much of it having to do with all of these cases of mistaken identity um which were so happily resolved in the end um and yet there are i think maybe we could start with the the dark spot in the play which I mean, there are a lot of things, but the one that really stands out, of course, is the the baiting of Malvolio, I think, which ends with him, yeah, I mean, definitely cast out of the society, and there are perhaps attempts uh, to bring him back in, uh, with Orsino sending someone after him to try to calm him, uh, but it doesn't look good for him. Um, And there's something, of course, it's really, really funny when... Uh, Malvolio gets the letter which is ostensibly from Olivia um, professing her love for him and then when he dresses up in his yellow stockings cross gartered and smiling uh, like a fool uh, it's very amusing but there's also I think very something very pitiable um, especially in seeing him read the letter um, and I think especially in his when he remarks upon her supposed desire for him to smile, um, there's something very, I don't know, I think there's something very pitiable about thinking someone would want to see you smile, but then the reality being that no one would want that. Yeah, so I think to understand, properly understand Malvolio, we need to go back to an ancient, one of the ancient texts, primarily The Office, (laughs) and look at the character of Dwight Schrute, because he definitely strikes me as being a Dwight type, Um, where he's not, I don't know, like he's not an Iago He's not a Don John. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just like sit around thinking about how evil he is and how much harm he's going to do. Yeah. All he really wants is uh, to be, you know, a social climber. Um, yeah. I don't think he really loves Olivia. If he does, maybe he's just like such a comic character, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to see. But I think he's yeah. in love with her status and yeah. the possibility of being. Uh, the master to her mm. mistress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like Dwight Schrute, you know, he's kind of all revved up. He's got this minuscule amount of authority in the household, yeah. which he just desires to lord over everybody with, you know, compl- in a completely uh, inefficient way, mm-hmm. um, unsuccessful way. Everybody's just kind of annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yet he still like he still longs for the regional manager position. Yeah, for sure. Um so in a way like he's not an easy character to completely deride and completely ignore like you're saying. Like there is something where it's like, "Oh, they shouldn't be bullying him like this much. They shouldn't mm-hmm. be trying to make him go literally insane." You know, they shouldn't be locking yeah. him up in a yeah. <laughs> lightless yeah, dungeon. There. Um but when you think about how the whole play is basically like bear baiting because the I don't know mm-hmm. this the wrong that uh, Sir Toby references uh, 
more, most frequently with Malvolio is like, ah, oh, he keeps getting me into trouble because I like to go to the bear baiting and mm-hmm. Olivia doesn't like that. Yeah. Um, and so they decide they will bear bait Malvolio. So I wasn't entirely sure what bear baiting was specifically, so I looked it up and I guess it's uh, like a stake that people put in the middle of this arena, I suppose you could say, mm-hmm. um, and you'd either chain a bear or a bull by the neck or the leg to it, and then uh, people would release uh, like trained hunting dogs into the arena to, uh, they call it worrying the bear, mm. and so basically like the the recreation i suppose or the point would be to see like would the dog survive or would the bear survive Mm, and so like sometimes they'd replace the dogs if the dogs got tired or what anyway um so that's that's kind of the point sometimes even if they were i guess if the crowd was feeling real saucy they would unchain the bear Mm. at a certain point and just let it run wild Mm -hmm. to see you know what kind of violence it could uh yeah uh, command in the in the arena Mm -hmm. but then at that point obviously you know that's going to be risky because (laughs) then everybody is in danger like all the people are in danger too uh live bear will literally rip your face exactly yeah so uh so you can kind of see that at the end where like malvolio is released and he's like i will He's mm. like swears to t- take his revenge on the whole mm-hmm. pack of them, mm. which you know a pack of dogs. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, just everybody in the play. Yeah. You can I can see him holding that grudge forever if uh, yeah. peace isn't maintained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's funny because I know there's so many things. So one, just with the Dwight connection. Mm-hmm. It's just funny, uh, given bear, given uh, Dwight's love for bears. Yep. One uh, one amusing thing. Also funny how often Dwight wears yellow. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Also, I mean, there's so many other connections with bears, like, like the fact that like Orsino, presumably means like little bear. Mm-hmm. Um, but also funny that. Um, like Malvolio, like we said, is not like much of a certainly not like not a villain at all. But like, yeah. um, even though his he has like a almost kind of a Voldemortish name, like, like yeah. his name means like I wish evil. Yeah. Um, but also funny because like, like the letters of his name are so close to both Viola and Olivia, just like mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so he's yeah, he's such a such an interesting character in that respect. But we also have Vi- uh Olivia describing herself as like being like a baited bear. Yeah. At one point. Um She's definitely worried throughout the play. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, so just all those those connections in there. Yeah, and the Dwight Schrute I feel is just <laughs> Perfect. Avolia. He really shrewded it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I find really interesting in the play, apart from uh, you know, Malvolio's shenanigans, is the fact that 
the whole story kind of takes place within a sort of green world um like this it's it's almost kind of like the tempest of course just in like the immediate conceit of like being shipwrecked in a strange foreign land um but despite the fact of this being sort of a sort of a green world um everyone seems quite somber in it like orsino is just like i don't know in this like elizabethan just let me listen to my music (laughs) yeah um and then olivia is like deep in mourning for her father and brother um yeah so it's hard to know what to make sense of that but there's also the fact that like both of them both orsino and olivia are just kind of like I don't know, they're just kind of off. Like, Olivia is so... I don't know, she just, like, gets so desperate about Mm. Cesario. It's just like... I don't know. It's just like, calm down. Yeah. She's very... Yeah. She's extremely volatile. Yeah. Because she's... She has this... I don't know if it's arbitrary or or what, but she's we meet her when she's decided she's going to be in mourning for seven years so everybody leave her alone yeah and then all of a sudden she sets eyes or sets her eyes on cesario and it's like oh never mind i'm in love yeah. i'm in love and i don't care who knows it um yeah so that's a little odd yeah i wonder um this is kind of going in a different direction but of course whenever i come across the name sebastian it's hard not to think of uh, Sebastian of Brideshead. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if this Sebastian might in part be one of the, be like part of the inspiration for Sebastian Flight mm-hmm. from Brideshead. In part because of the, so there's the way in which like for Charles loving Sebastian is like kind of a preparation for then loving Julia Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a way in which for Olivia loving Viola it's like a preparation for loving Sebastian Mm -hmm. (coughs) so I wonder if um, I wonder if maybe not even really like with the character himself but with like that kind of structural energy that Wa mm-hmm. employed um of like the initial yeah the initial like friendship then leading to the romantic relationship <coughs> yeah that's a really interesting point there I, th- I seem to recall there is a moment in Brideshead where Charles is like observing one of the siblings mm-hmm. and noticing that they look very much alike yeah um I think it's when he's looking at, like, when he meets Julia, and he realizes she looks a lot like Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's really interesting. It's kind of like a relational family mm-hmm. chiasmus. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, maybe, I guess maybe just sort of by by way of wrapping up, keeping it short for this one, we could talk some about why the play is titled like it is. Um 
So we just recently had Twelfth Night, um, Epiphany, right? Uh, <clears throat> recalling the visit of the Magi uh, when the kings, three kings come from the east to present their gifts to the Christ child. Um, in Shakespeare's day, apparently, there's a great deal of revelry associated with this, oftentimes including, but not limited to, uh, cross-dressing, um, all kinds of Saturnalian bruja, <laughs> um, which, of course, the epiphany itself is not referenced in the play, yeah. um, which seems to occupy like a semi- I don't know, like a semi-pagan arena. I think we have, pretty sure we have Malvolio invoking Jove. Jove, all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, which could, I guess, could be applied sort of to Jehovah, but... I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Not in Malvolio's um, case. Yeah. Um, but we certainly have the, like, reversal of values. We have Sir Toby, who's, like, very much in with the the servants we have Malvolio who's trying to rise above his station um of course Viola uh pulling Mulan (coughs) and so on yeah I love the part um at the very end when everybody's you know true identities are all sorted out mm-hmm. and uh Orsino is you know expressing his love for Viola and there's the line in there where he's like I need to I, I like I need to see you changed into your woman's weeds or something mm-hmm. um and it's just yeah. a very like Robin Hood men in tights like let's mm-hmm. get out of these lady clothes and back into our tights so it's yeah. like there is the desire to write these these unusual things um to have a return to you know normalcy right uh and that you know this this return to normalcy matters just for the uh restoration of harmony Mm -hmm. and kind of like what you were saying like it's it's this takes place in the green world the story takes place in the green world but it's not like they go back Mm -hmm. to where they came from like they all stay there so they have kind of a I guess just out of respect for the tradition (laughs) like Mm -hmm. they kind of have the characters kind of have a responsibility to make things right yeah and to reestablish harmony in the green world yeah for sure yeah which it seems like a very as they often are very insular green world that Mm -hmm. like needs Mm -hmm. outsiders to come in to help (coughs) help write it right but yeah, that is really interesting how it's called Twelfth Night, but it doesn't seem to have any like references mm-hmm. aside from people coming from far away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that's to true. to like the Epiphany story. Yeah. So that's pretty unusual. Yeah. Well Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Going wild. <laughs> Very good. Well, yes, uh yeah, a lot more we could say. Uh, of course, but yeah, I think with this one especially, it's just like it's just very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and it's enjoyable to watch too. Yeah, yeah. 
I do, uh, yeah, I do always think, I'm always struck by uh, Mariah saying, I wish she has her line about Malvolio is yonder in the sun. Um, just like talk about how he's like practicing mm-hmm. his behaviors to himself. For um, when he takes over. Yeah, which I always kind of, I always kind of wonder when I come upon lines like that, if uh, there's some kind of reflection on the act of, uh, there's some kind of self-abasement uh, with regard to the act of making poetry itself, that there's like, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, like the poet is like practicing all these different postures um, and sometimes just needs to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, next time we continue with Henry V. So until then, party on.